Hi, I am Zip, and this is Dingo Talk. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know. You want to know. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest, Zip Shear. Um, Zip, thank you for taking the time to sit oh, down with us. Yep, I, you paid me handsomely. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I got to ask you first and foremost, because the people that I know, the people that are going to watch this, I work with them. They're okay. going to ask me, uh, or this is the question that I was told I had to ask you. Okay. What? Where does Zip come from? Because you're not the first Zip, right? There's two Zips before you. There are none. There are no Zips. Nope, I'm the first. Oh, you're There are two Zips after me. Well, they're Zippies, not Zips. I'm the Zip. They're both Zippies. Now, where does Zip come from? How does that uh, it nickname? was just a nickname that my dad uh, uh, had a friend that had that name, and he liked to use that. Uh, the better story I tell is that when I was little, we went to Cooper's Rocks, and we were on the cliff, and I fell off in my zipper cotton and saved my life, so he named me Zip. <laughs> so is that the story you want to put in? Or do you, sure. You want both of them? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so... So you're born and raised here in this area, in Morgantown, correct? Yep. Yes. You graduate from Morgantown High School. When do you decide that you're going to stay local and go to WVU? When was that your... And that, that was always my goal was to stay here and uh, go to WVU. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy Morgantown. I like Morgantown. I like West Virginia University. And there was no reason for me to go anywhere else because an education is what you make out of it. And I made a lot out of mine. And and major was already decided. Did you know what you were going into, or did no, you? No, not like most people. I went into something that I thought that I would like because I was good with numbers and stuff. So I went into engineering, uh, and quickly realized that wasn't my field. And so then I changed fields at the end of the first semester. And I liked business, and uh, it was the right decision. So what was you're going to WVU in the '60s, correct? Well, I graduated from high school in 65, so I started college here at 65, yes. What was what was campus like? Is it similar to what we see now? Is it, is it, yeah, it was mainly a, It was mainly one campus. Wow. And uh, all the bars were over in Sunnyside, and there were none downtown. And so uh, they did have the mountain lair, but not as big as it was be as it is now. Uh, so it was a little more... I would tell you, uh, friendly. It was a smaller community as opposed to now. It's, it's, a, it's a bigger community now compared well, to... Well, I think we were probably at maybe twenty-two to 25,000. Wow. Yeah. So as you're going through school, what was the goal when you came out? Did you always want to get into real estate and, and or did you want to... Did, was there something else that you wanted to do with the business degree? Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about that. When I was in school, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember when I was in high school, and I said when I was coming out and going to college, I said, you know, if I make a million dollars, I'll be one happy guy. So my goal was to try to figure out how to make a million dollars, and we all know that you can't make that off of a salary. So you had to have some ingenuity. So when I was in college, uh, I finished ranger school mm -hmm. and uh, then I was married and I was married with a child I lived up by what used to be the old university high mm -hmm. which is now the middle school 
and it was called the baby farm. So where all those new apartments are, they had apartments around there, and you had to be married with a child. And they charged you $81.80 a month, and that included cable, furniture, and everything. So it was a great deal for me. Wow. And I met a lot of people and a lot of friends up there when we were up there, and uh, we did a lot of things together as, uh, as groups and families. So when I got done with my degree, I said, you know, I'm not ever going back to school. I was tired of school. I'm not going back to school. So I took a job uh, with the coal company here in Morgantown. I was going to be their personnel director. And uh, so I had a train for six months, which meant working in the mines for six months so that I could understand what I was talking and, and uh, knowing more about people, knowing more about the job when I would be uh, interviewing them and offering them positions. Mm -hmm. So I did that, but then the person whose job I was supposed to take, he got, uh, did not end up getting promoted. So I went back to school to get my master's and I was always going to get my master's anyway. So I was married with one child. I worked during the day and I took classes at night. So I have a master's degree in industrial safety. So when I got done with school, can I ask why did you choose when you went for your master's? Why was that what you chose to go for? Well, I wanted to diversify a little bit. I figured that I had a pretty good business background, pretty good business degree, mm -hmm. and I felt that at that time, the uh, university had just opened up safety, and I knew a couple people in safety, and it was a pretty good opportunity. Uh, for you to get advancement uh, because they were limited. Mm -hmm. So I got a degree in industrial safety and it took me, I think from, I think it took me maybe four years. It was a two year program, but I think around four years. Well, and you're working. And going to school at and night. And going, so you're working during the day, going to school at night. So yeah. so doing a two year program, it, it it's kind of crazy you finished it in four years because yeah. of the right. other schedule. Right. And, uh, Back then, when you when you took the program, they had just really opened up the program, which is still here now. And uh, the way it normally worked is you did a lot of stuff in groups, mm -hmm. which I didn't like groups. <laughs> I like you know doing your own thing. You did some of your own things, and you did a lot of stuff in groups. And you well know in a group, not everybody carries their own weight. Mm -hmm. But the reason they put people in groups to find out who could rise to the top. And then whenever they had job opportunities come in and, and they knew who you were and they knew what you did, then you got the top line job opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately for me, I got a job in uh, Marietta, Ohio, working for First Colony Corporation and they built industrial bulk storage silos all over the country. That was for coal and out west when they were first opening up Gillette, Wyoming. Uh, all that stuff here. So I got a job with them uh, in their safety program. So that worked very well for me. So I said that I would work in my field for five years. That way, if I failed in business, then I at least have that to fall back on. But if I never used it, then it became obsolete. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you get through that five years, and I'm guessing you travel a lot. With that, you're not just in Marietta, Ohio. No, no, I, I, I traveled. Well, I still lived in Morgantown, and I had a house in Marietta. Uh, but yes, I did travel a lot, but it was more like 
when I would go, it would be two days. If I'd go out to Wyoming, we would fly out. A lot of time we flew uh, on a private plane because the company had a private plane. So after that five years, what's the next step? Do we come straight to well, getting here? During, during that five years and when I was in college uh, in the master's program, uh, there was an opportunity that became available on a duplex. There was a duplex that was going into foreclosure. A friend of mine uh, was at this uh, bank at this time, Perry Metropolis, and he called myself and my cousin, Pat Alexander, and he said, look, I got this duplex coming available. Are you guys interested in it? And we said, yeah, you know, we're interested in it. So we ended up getting the duplex. It's up on, on Union Avenue. It's still there now. Uh, and we started with that. It had two five-bedroom units on each side. And we went in and we finished out the bottom to make it five bedrooms. And then we used that. And then we went over on Lorenz Avenue and we got another place. And, uh, and then we got another place and we kept using the equity and what we had to get some apartments. And then down on Beechers Avenue, the at one point in time back there, that's when they had interest rates really high and uh, the inflation was going on. And there was a gentleman that was by the name of Emsweller that had one of these fire companies that uh, did extinguishers and stuff like that. He was old, he wanted to retire. So we talked him into getting about 10 apartments off of him and he underfinanced them. So that's how we got started. So you start with, if I'm right, you start with 10 total rooms on a, two duplexes, but 10 total rooms. 10, 10 beds. 10 now, beds. I, I never use beds. I, I still don't use beds today. I use this either a two bedroom apartment or a three bedroom, but I don't, I don't count beds. I either got 50 apartments. I don't say I got a hundred beds. Yeah. So how do you work your way from town to, or well, I guess downtown to out where we are now, where we're sitting right now? Well, how do we get to- okay. so, when I was in Marietta, mm -hmm. we owned X amount of apartments, my cousin Pat and I did. And so I got a big job offer from AMAX Coal out in Indianapolis. And it was a very good offer. And I said to myself, you know, pretty big offer going out there, I got a family. So I told him yes, that I would do it. And then it was like a month before I had to be there and I, it just didn't sit right with me. I, I just really did not want to go work for somebody else, but did not have enough apartments to be able to make a living. So I had to find something else to do to be able to stay in Morgantown. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started building houses. So I built houses and then we had apartments. And uh, separately, they're not the same company at that point. It's no, I had I built houses on my own. Pat and I owned the apartments, okay. Together, okay, but Pat and I never built apartments together, we just owned some. Mm -hmm. And then that, that was your that was nice. Well, you're a little clumsy. Uh, so I started building houses out in Lakeside Village, I built a lot of houses out there. Uh, because my cousin's father owned a bunch of the lot, so I he subordinated a bunch of lots for me, and then I ended up getting more. Getting more. So I built houses, and then I had a, Pat and I had this amount of apartments, and then 
Pat went a little bit over here and started doing some stuff, and I went over here. So our apartment business really didn't grow after that. Yeah. And then he had the opportunity uh, with Larry Palumbo, because Larry Palumbo's uncle owned Bon Vista, to go ahead and go in on Bon Vista when Carmen wanted out of it. And I had started doing apartments on my own. So I started down on McLean Avenue building apartments. Back then, uh, they had a thing which was sweat equity. So you didn't have to put down 20% on a thing because, uh, for instance, if I would go build these apartments myself, I don't have a someone else I'm paying to build them. Okay. So that difference between what I can build them for and what I have to pay him, the bank took his sweat equity. So you don't have to worry about... Those... I didn't have to worry about putting any money down. It was a, bar, it was a matter of building the apartments and making them cash flow so mm -hmm. they felt that they were comfortable. So you build a building... And then if the cash flow, then you could go do another one. So as different properties came available, I would go ahead and buy a property like over on, uh, by the stadium over there. Yeah. Then I have all those buildings coming down there uh, on Inglewood. So mm -hmm. I bought a lot of property on Inglewood that was farmland back here myself personally, and then I built them. So then to get to the story about it, you needed to be able to move up. You started out building duplexes or four at a time, and then maybe you built like 16, but you need to be able to get to a bigger complex. Well, and the end goal, as you said, your end goal was you couldn't make a million dollars on a salary. Yeah. Make a million dollars and be the happiest man in the world. Yeah. And you can't do that unless you continue to do this. Right. And, and, and land helps with that well and land in the right location the, the one thing i've always learned is it's about location 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 and that's very very important and inglewood didn't have a lot of stuff on it you see what it has on it now over by the ronald mcdonald house what? and so i really own about uh four blocks of apartments over there but we got that done and we built those, but in order to take the next step to a bigger project, you sort of had to consolidate. Mm -hmm. And so a friend that was a banker uh, at BB&T, this property, seven acres of this property here uh, became available. And that's, you and I talked about this about, I think it was about two weeks ago, where yeah. you, we were getting to know how we were going to do the show, and you said yeah. it wasn't that you just, the whole property was yours. No. You had there, specifics, and then... There were seven acres that came available. There were some old trailers up here where the 25, 2600 buildings mm -hmm. were, and they were like, uh, they had one bedrooms on each end. But the person that had the property just used them for storage. Okay. And never used them as income, so he could make his payments. So we had an opportunity to take it over, and my cousin Stevie, and then Stevie's friend, who was Cliff, uh, they really uh, talked to Stevie and Cliff first, and then Kenny and Stevie came to me because I was the one that had built apartments. Mm -hmm. Stevie did mobile home sales, and Cliff worked at the mobile home sales, but I was the one that had the knowledge to build, to maintain, and to run the property. So let me stop you there. So where we're looking at right now, and they, they obviously the people at home can't see that, but when we're sitting in your office and we're looking up at the hill where the 25 and 26 is, right. before it was... Everything was a field around there except for those trailers. And that so was... where uh, MN&O, 
and 27, 2800 buildings. It was just a few. They were filled. And then starting with A, B, all the way around were the offices. The office was owned by somebody else. Okay. There wasn't an office here. Yeah. There was nothing here. A guy came in and he built a building here and sold parking spaces to people who want to tailgate $7,000 for a lifetime. It's not a bad deal. Well, it was a, was a bad deal, but <laughs> once you get to $7,000, then you're out of money. You know, then you still got to give the people the service. The spot, that's yeah, there. Exactly the lifetime right. spot, that's there. Yeah, you get it. But they, did, they get the get pass, broke. did they get to pass this lifetime spot? Well, they get it when they went broke, then they all, yeah, yeah. They, when he filed for bankruptcy, it all went away. Uh, so, but we started out there. So the first building we actually built, we cleaned up the mobile homes mm -hmm. and we rented them out. And then that allowed us to have enough income to make the payments. Yeah. So then we went to the bank, same guy that helped us out, get the property. And so he said he would help us with building. So we were allowed to build two buildings. So each building had six apartments in it, uh, two, two bedrooms, two, three bedrooms. So we could build, which was the A building mm -hmm. and the B building. And then once we got 80% of them rented, then we could move over to the C building. So that's how we got started. So over a period of time, uh, we started building and then we got uh, uh, the A and the B building. And then we did where MN and O is mm -hmm. right there. And then we had our office down in one of those two bedrooms in the bottom. Now, why the, one, why the, the design the way that it is? Because it's all, it's kind of, it's one way, but it's not one way because you can go all the way out to the bottom over on the other side of the property. And who was your clientele at first? Was it always the- They were always students. It's always been This students. was always a student rental property. Okay. It's still students. Yeah. We don't, uh, you know, there's other people that, you know, that, that have leased here. Uh, our statement to them is we want you to understand this is a student rental. So if you're bringing kids and a family in here, you got to understand they're students. We don't advise it, but we cannot deny you. Yeah. So we have very few of those. And so you get through the, you, you're in, you're in MN and O, which again, from where we're sitting, you can yeah. see it. Right we did A, B, A and B. A, B, percent And then we did M and O. Now, and your offices are there. We had a office in the two bedroom, and we had one girl that lived worked for us down there. So, what was the next? So now you're you have the cash flow coming in. You're starting to build buildings. Where was the? How do you make your way all the way to the nine eighteen? Well, that's a different story. Okay. So, uh, we'll finish right now, well, right now we got to look at A, B, C, D, and E, F, and G and uh, jk and l mm -hmm. those were the ones that were on the original property okay okay that was the original seven acres so we built those out now we always build over time we didn't run in and build everything we enjoy building them and be able to cover ourselves and then we go build again so we build up cash flow so that's the first stuff we did mm -hmm. and then if you uh, go down here we have uh, uh, the very first building around here. Yeah. Okay. So this went under, went under. So we went to Frank Latuzic, who used to have the mobile home sales up on the mile ground. Mm -hmm. And we said, listen, 
why why don't you sell a test? We're here. Well, he wanted a lot of money for it. And I said, look, you're broke. The place went under. Explain to me how you're going to be able to make money off of this. We could use it. And the building, which is here, it just had a top floor. There was no heat in it. Two fireplaces and a concrete yeah. floor. So we finally got it to a reasonable price. And so we went ahead and we bought it. And then we moved our office down here and we sort of fixed it up. But the underneath was never done. Mm -hmm. We got that all done. And then we put the pool in because we wanted to do the pool. So when we did the pool, our pool's an Olympic-sized pool. And it's 10 feet at the end. It's a very big showcase for and us. where are we at in year-wise? Year where are we? Well, we started in 1989. Okay. So we we're probably 10 years down the road. Okay. So we're now going into the 2000s. 2000. We're coming up to the, we're at the millennium and we're. We're we going into 2000. So between probably 2000 and 2008, we finished doing all this. So we took this property over. Mm -hmm. We built the office, put the swimming pool in. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we went ahead and put the apartments around the pool, which is AA, BB, CC, and DD, mm -hmm. and then we did the rest of the double letters. So all the double letters came with this piece of property. So they're the second phase of the property, yes. right? I guess yes. we would say. They were the second phase. Okay. Okay. And then as you go on down Valley View, down towards Don Neyland Drive, on the left-hand side where 950, 952 are, mm -hmm. and all the way to the road, there was a guy that owned that property. It was a gentleman and his wife, and you know, every football game, they'd go out and put their stripe lines on the field in the grass for people to park in. And then down at the end, there was a uh, bar that they leased out to. Which is uh, now the guest lot. It's no, the guest lot. Yeah, it oh. was down in there, and it was the guy that owned Novacek's, Denny, that just passed away. That was his bar. Wow. And so Denny was down there, and he, he had the bar, and um, they had the field, and then Denny's. A lease came up and they only wanted because they were very religious and they only wanted him to have beer not liquor and it wouldn't work for just beer so i talked to the guy went down there one day and i was helping him put his lines in i said have you ever thought about retiring he said we have thought about it so we worked out a deal with them and we bought all the property on the other side of 984. Mm -hmm. so that going down that way that the second brick house down there's old stone house mm -hmm. in front of 959. From there down all the way to the road we bought off of him. So that's phase three then? Yeah. Okay. That's phase three, which was the 950, 952 building, uh, which we built in there. We rehabbed the old brick house a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we did the 918 building yeah. down there with the parking lot. And then we kept the visitor's lot there. So we wanted to have visitors parking because nobody else has it. And we, we find out that everybody wants to use it. We, we don't want them to use it because we want them to live here if they want to use it. Absolutely. So there's points in time that we have to monitor it. But uh, since COVID, uh, a lot of people park there and work at the hospital and they're doing their job. So we haven't enforced that as we had before. Now, not only, I mean, you're right next to the stadium. You have you have to deal with the parking issue as well. Yeah. You you do have 
people that are that that pay to park here, but you also have they don't pay to park here. They live here. Well, they live here. That's, that's right. The, the yeah, people the, that the they, parking is uh, it's theirs. From well, it, well it, unless they're bad. Yeah, well, then they <laughs> unless lose they're bad, then they could lose their parking. Yes. Uh, like going to timeout, you just don't have a place to park your car. So we have Aerostar, which is over there. That's by, what I own personally. And that's over by the hospital. And down on McLean and, Avenue. And down on McLean. Then we have this property, which is CZS. Yes. Correct. This is this yes. is you, Stevie, and Cliff together. Yes, this side. Yes. This side. CZS and then, and Cliff Zip and Steve. Yeah. yeah. And that's how we get the name CZS. Yeah. Cliff Cliff Correct. Zip. But and now Steve. it's all dark night. And then what so this isn't the only property that you also have on the well, other side of the mile ground, you have Whisper, you have Shot well, Chateau we too. We have Chateau too. I forgot I, I got ahead of myself. Yes, you are. You're awful quick. So across the street is Chateau too. Mm -hmm. So there was uh it was vacant and we found out who the guy was that owned it and we called him about selling it to us. And it took I mean a month and a half. To get him to, he, he was out of the state. He was had the property, was very poor and not knowledgeable. And so we were. I was trying to explain to him that we, you know, we wanted to buy the property, and he kept saying, "Well, I don't have any money to pay." I said, "Well, you don't have to pay. No, we're going to pay. Here, you. We're we're paying you two hundred and thirty thousand dollars for all that property there, and we'll give it to you." Mm -hmm. And then all you have to do is pay your taxes on it or whatever you got to do. He didn't understand that. I mean, it took me a long time to explain to him. And this guy, really nice guy, but he showed up, rode the bus to Morgantown to make the transaction. And when he came in, you could tell what he ate for the last week because it was all over his shirt. Mm -hmm. But a great guy. So we made that deal. So we had that property and then we bought the property over here. So we were working on that. So in order for us to be able to complete everything down here in a timely manner, we sold that property over there uh, to Robbie Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so Robbie, those I did not build those over there. Robbie Dallas built those over here, him and Larry Haynes. Mm -hmm. So they built them. And then we finished our project here. So as time went on, Robbie was... Uh, Robbie was a big stock guy. He was one of the first people that realized that Mexicans would have to have phones. So he bought a lot of stock in phones, like at 15 cents. And he <laughs> bought a bunch of it and still and now it's he still owns it, yeah. So anyway, he he wanted to um, he he started building some townhouses up here, going up the hill on the left hand side. Mm -hmm. And he was tired, he wanted to move to Florida and he likes going to snowshoes. So I said, okay, well let's make a deal here. How about if I get two of my friends, which is Joey and Pokey, wife, to take over your project up here with the townhouses? And in turn, we'll go ahead and buy your apartments off of you. Yeah. So he sold that, sold out to them, and they built those townhouses there. And then we bought his apartments down here so he could leave town. Okay, so pretty we're to there now. That's, now, where do you want to go? That's a pretty good way to leave town, though. Yeah, it was a good way. You didn't ride the bus. So <laughs> you didn't ride the bus, and you didn't know what he had for dinner. For the oh, no, Robbie does. He has one one of those, we call them, wife beater shirts. But, yeah, he has one of those. He still wears it. 
I, I have mine on. He other only hand. has two, two of those two. Well, so I have thirty three. years later, he's still working. I have a work one, I have a dress one, and I have a casual. <laughs> That's what he got. <laughs> so, but the so now, how do we go from the properties that we've covered to the the property out? Over, I guess, past that's past the well, lockdown. Whisper Creek. Whisper Creek. Is, that's on his line. So, what is in line? Yes, we own two properties in Fairmont. So, we build and retain. So, we they build a place down there called the Field of Dreams, right on the Grafton uh, or Taylor Marion County line. Mm -hmm. And we made an agreement down there mm -hmm. to where we bought property and we went in and put apartments up down there. Uh, which is called Chateau South. So that's where Chateau's at. See, I'm learning things. Yeah, so Chateau South, we built uh, apartments down there. Um, they are very similar to what we have at the end of uh, Whisper Creek now, okay. the very end. Now, is Chateau South more your... your yeah, they're adults. Adult families? They're adult or, families, yeah. Or single people starting their whatever? More, more adult families. Okay. Okay. So we built that there, and then... Some doctors had some property that were called the Villages, mm -hmm. and uh, they wanted to get out. They were doctors here in Morgantown. They had made investments in there, but they wanted to get out. Uh, so we negotiated with them, and we bought the Villages off of them. So and that's we, in Fairmont. That is in Fairmont. Villages is right by the mall mm -hmm. on 73. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other one, uh, Chateau South, is down on the Taylor County line. Uh, in the Marion County line, but the kids go to Marion County schools down there. That was a big deal at that time. Well, and that's I before we were recording, I asked you the question specifically for Morgantown, and I'm, yeah. I'm new to Morgantown. But the way how does the change go? Yeah, so you dealt with that down there as well, which we ended up getting buying that off the doctor, so that gave us enough to be able to have an office mm -hmm. and stuff down here. So recently, uh, within the last year. Uh, we bought five acres, uh, which is right by the villages, and we planned on building a hundred uh, one and two bedroom units there. But when the market changed, uh, you just you can't do it. it you roll with it. And... Well, you just uh, the you can't. There's no supply chain. Uh, you can't find people to work. Uh, you just it's just not the thing you want to do to go build because building so much more expensive now and you don't want to steal from Peter to pay Paul. We want every project of ours to be independent. Even though they are joined at the hip, every project is independent. Every project has their own managers. They have their own office. Although the central office is here at Chateau. Now, does Washington come before Whisper? Because I don't yes, get ahead of Washington gave me So how did we end up in Washington, Pennsylvania? Well, I was, I, I was dating my now wife and uh, I would go up there to pick her up and I keep looking around watching because she lived right up the road from Racetrack Road with yep. her parents and she didn't live with her parents that's where her parents were from and so I kept driving up there and I kept saying wow you know there's there's no uh, apartments up there nothing's been built new here mm. and then I started looking at the overall geographics and everything and nothing was built there and I, I just felt that really it needed, it would be an advantage to us to be able to do it. So right along 19, the Dick family had that big piece of property there. Mm -hmm. And 
nobody was buying it because everybody the the two pieces of property up the road on 19 where they have on both sides of the road there they have the uh, uh, the different stores yeah yeah that they have there well those people there was one person that was doing this and another company doing this and so they decided to go together instead of being in competition so that sort of left them out so we negotiated out 26 acres with the dick family to, to go there at the same time we own trip west harley davidson so the mm -hmm. three s's were stevie cliff and myself yeah and so we were looking at the one up in, in uh, washington so we ended up starting construction there and then about maybe a year and a half later we ended up buying the harley dealership up there which was Falcone's which is now has everything pretty much built around it I mean that is yeah they have yeah. it's gone from a Walmart to everything you can think of is down that road. yeah everything's down there and where we are on racetrack road you don't even know that there's a town or a city there no. but two minutes down the road you've got everything you need to mm -hmm. do so that is uh when we started up there and then and what year are we talking for Washington uh, you don't ask I don't couple years no i mean it's probably 14 years old now okay yeah see we build and retain so i do all the building and i have subcontractors that work and i have very good subcontractors very good friends uh and they take care of me and so we do all that stuff the same guys do the earthwork same guys do the plumbing uh we partnered up with plus lumber company chris class and a great guy great mm -hmm. family and we bought our lumber off of them, and then we had their framing crews come in and frame. And we had uh, we used these two brothers to frame all the stuff down here. And you're very big on on local. You wanted you want you seem to be at least very. We're family oriented. We're area oriented. Yeah. So we we do a lot of stuff, uh, different things to provide. We always put a nice gym. And every one of our complexes so people can go there and work out. We always put a nice pool mm -hmm. that we do. And we always put a nice clubhouse. And we do really nice clubhouses. And people, uh, the clubhouses, they use them for functions. They use them for uh, parties, mm -hmm. uh, Christmas things. We have families that go in here because the apartments aren't big. And they use it. They can cook there. They got fireplaces in them, and they're very nice. They're like 4,000 square feet. Uh, you know, a lot of people have baby showers there. Well, and they're beautiful. I mean, the, the one at Whisper, which we're going to get right. to. Well, and it's modeled off the one at uh, Stoker. Okay. It's, modeled, it's just made different, but it's off. It's the same building, mm -hmm. but we finished all the bottom. There okay. was no downstairs in that one. So how do we get there? How do we get to, to Whisper? So we've got... We're now here downtown. We get to we get water. Fair a real estate cheaper. agent called me and said, "I got property on South Pierpont Road. Are you interested?" And there's a family. Their their uh, uh, father had just passed away. The kids want to sell it, mm -hmm. and so that's how we got there. So we went out, looked at the property, did some quick studies on it, and we made them an offer, and we bought it. Now the plan, because from what I know from out there, it's it's almost it's very exclusive, but it's not. It's you're you're away from everything, but you're also you're very similar to Stone Creek. Very 15 similar. Fifteen minutes, get on the road. Very similar to uh, Fairmont. 
You know, they're they're outside of the zones. Uh, and is that that's the goal, right? Is to we want a higher end unit. When we first started building uh, apartments over here, and I had been building at Airstar, and I said, okay, a, a, a two bedroom is about eleven hundred fifty square feet. A three bedroom is thirteen hundred. Why do you want to make them that big? Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, you need to make them that big because over time. Right now, kids are going to study hall. They're going to library. Sooner or later, they're going to be doing stuff at their house. Mm -hmm. So we were able to build stuff big enough that when everybody got computers and their desk and they were doing it, our apartments were were already big enough to do that. Now, not only do you have the apartments and the the business side, but there's a there's a philanthropy side to you as well. Correct. There's 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 some there's a lot of philanthropy work that, that you're involved in around town. From what I've been told. Well, I'm, I I do a lot of stuff around yeah. town. Yes, I don't. Uh, uh, and that's not just. No, no. I, 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 we do a lot of stuff, and and you know some of the stuff that we do. But yes, we're involved in the community in a lot of different ways. But primarily, I was involved in the community by taking young kids and developing them for sports and athletics. Uh, taking kids to play basketball at a different level, taking kids to play baseball when they were younger at a different level to give them an opportunity to go to college and play sports, work with the girls' basketball team. Well, let's talk about you were a coach. You were an AAU coach for a little bit. Oh, no, right? I wasn't an AAU coach. You were the AAU coach. I was the AAU I've seen the trophy. I, yeah. I looked at it. Uh, yeah. I also we, played some AAU basketball. Yeah. I didn't see a trophy like that. So. Well, we won two national titles, so... If that tells you anything, some kids from Morgantown that we had that we played when we were fifth graders, we won the national championship in Las Vegas. Wow. And when we were in ninth grade, the kids were in ninth grade, we won the national championship out of Virginia. I mean, it was for the whole country. Mm-hmm. So we we had kids, but we practiced twice a week. Our thing was we, we worked on fundamentals. We developed kids. A lot of these teams had hot shots that flew in from all different places, but they never played together. Yeah. So, you know, we were very fortunate. And, and baseball, uh, we had travel baseball team, and our uh, team that was uh, 13 years old ended up third in the nation. And we would go to tournaments and play. But at the end of the day, my goal was to give kids an opportunity to go to college. Because like they should have to Right. They, they, they need fundamentals. Everybody wants to play. Everybody, every coach that coaches grade school wants to be a middle school coach. Every middle school coach wants to be a high school coach. And every high school coach wants to be a college coach. But they don't work on fundamentals. They want to run 50 plays. You don't need 50 plays. You need four, maybe. We run a motion offense, and that's what we ran. Pass and cut, and that's what we did. Morgantown High, the girls, uh, you know, I would take them on weekends because I could. Mm -hmm. The coach couldn't take them, but I could. And with his permission, and I worked on them, and I worked on drills and ball handling drills, and 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 you know I could take these kids and I could show them, here's what we worked on, and here's the film from the game you played in. Look, this is a move you never made before. You know they had the rondo move. You know they had just different things that that we would work on. And of course, Morgantown, I won three straight basketball championships, mm-hmm. and uh, Olivia Sagi, who was just a really great little guard. And when she was over as a sophomore and she just, she's playing JV and I went to the varsity guy. I said, Adam, why? 
She needs to be playing varsity. Well, she'll learn, no, you need her now. You don't need to wait. You don't need her now. And then he brought her up. And then, you know, we worked together a lot, and it was great. And all those kids that we worked with, 48 of the kids I worked with went to college to play sports in some way or another. And at the end of the day, that is that was your goal, as we talked about it from the beginning, why yeah. you went to why you went to WVU to get your degree and why you ended up getting your master's is mm-hmm. the education is what you as long as you have the opportunity for the education, it's what you make out of that education. It's not just no education is ever wasted. And it's what you make out of it. You can you can go to an Ivy League school, you can go here, and it's what you put into it, what you get out of it. And it comes back to DNA. Mm-hmm. Everybody has DNA. People are like water. You know, where you matter where you put them, they're going to sit at their own level. So let me ask you, we've, we've covered where, where, what the properties are now. We've covered who you, a little bit of who you are. Yeah. What's the plan for the future? Well, the plan for the future is very simple. We have some of our kids, CB and I do and Cliff, mm-hmm. and not every kid is the same, so not every kid has those opportunities. But we're, right now, we're teaching our kids and we're putting them in a position to be successful and start to take over the business because we don't sell anything. We keep it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when you sell it, you cap it. That's it. Again, when this way, it just it keeps going. So we've done all of our estate planning. We've got our kids all in a position uh, to where they can be successful. You know, my three kids and everyone is successful, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. They're they're not in the same way. So we have uh, Cody, which is my youngest son here, who trained for four years while he went to college to be able to take over Chateau. And we have Stephen, who started with us and played basketball at Fairmont State, Solomon. Mm-hmm. And he came here last August, so he's been here about a year now. So he's learning and he's training. So my job, just like in basketball, is to get them ready for the next level. Pretty good. I, you caught me from there. You you stopped where I was. I was I was getting ready. I was thinking about my question. Yeah. Um. So, not anything to do with other than the fact that I know you're a sports fan. Oh yeah. And I was. Uh, you mentioned one of our next week's guest, which is Ian Solomon. Yeah. Um. He pointed out that you are a, a Yankees fan. Oh yeah. My how'd dad you, was a Yankees fan. How did you feel seeing '62 go over the wall? Well, just think about this for a second, okay? Follow the whole scenario. And I won't get it all because there's a lot of things out there. So you've got Roger Maris mm-hmm. who hit 61 home runs, right? Mm-hmm. 61 years later, Judge Hits. hit 61 home runs. Number nine, number 99. Okay, so those things are uh, compared, and there's other ones, and then you come into last night. Okay, so what happens last night? Judge hits 62, and the guy on um, the MLB network, he kept saying, look, what time's that game start? And the guy says, 8.05. He said, 8.08, he's going to be sitting in the dugout, and he's already hit 62. The guy says, what do you mean? He says, I believe it. I feel it. It's going to happen. First swing out. There's where it went. So now you've got 62. Mm-hmm. And Judge has hit 62. So at the end of the day, what do we have? The Yankee 
are 99 and 62. 99, which is Judge's <laughs> number, and 62 home run. You know, and they could have won that game. It would have blew that whole story apart. And there's other parallel so, things. Unbelievable. This morning I was watching ESPN and they were talking, they were covering how yes. all the numbers and the stats. Yeah, and, there's, and there's even some I forgot. And the anchor for the six o'clock sports center goes, well, if the Yankees want to put a couple runs across the board, I guess we wouldn't be telling this story, but they did. Here's the, yeah. and it was 99 62. Yeah. And um, the story is they had Garrett Cole up here, who is a great pitcher, has a lot of strikeouts, but he's given up 34 home runs this year. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out who my roster is going to be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mine will be better than him. The coaches will, trust me. Now, my only other question, and this is something I, I happened to see. We were at your pool house a couple weeks ago. Um, Working. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Trying to get the ladder up here so we could fix the ceiling leak. So um, we could have the engagement party. <laughs> I saw some jerseys, and there was yeah. one that stood out to me. Okay. And I I don't see his jersey in here specifically, but it's, well, it's Kobe. Well, you probably – we had that fire here. Yeah. So all the pictures that were here – before mm -hmm. uh, got destroyed. Well, and these two jerseys aren't bad either. You got Jerry West and, and, and Magic Johnson there, which are, you know, well, the NBA Jerry, logo. And... Jerry West, I can, when I was little, really little, yeah. back when you could walk downtown and be six years old, now you can't be 32 and walk downtown. But <laughs> I know. I used to be able to sneak out and go down to the field house and sneak into the games to watch him play. Here. And, at yeah. WBU. Yeah, down where they built that new building mm -hmm. down there, that used to be the field house. And I used to go down there and I'd stand out there and be a little dumb kid. People give me a ticket. Hey, you want a ticket? Yeah, I want a ticket. <laughs> you know, and I could walk home after the game. You can't do that now. No, but, uh, so how how did you because I saw there's it's autographed. Did you meet Kobe for the for that jersey? Was that something that you you bought? Or well, we have met Kobe. Okay. Yes, we have. And to even give you a better story. We went from here because I take Cody, Stephen, and Nikki, and we would go to the games. We'd go up to uh, Cleveland and watch LeBron and then play. Mm -hmm. We got to talk to LeBron before, but we went to the very last game that Michael Jordan ever played, which was over in Washington. He got hurt that year with the Wizards. When he, with the when Wizards, the knee, and when he got hurt, and he's standing up there on the thing, and the kids are up there talking to him. Yeah, just like a regular guy. They're just, mm -hmm. yeah, hell, they don't know their kids. They talk to anybody, you know what I mean? But we drove all the way over to see the game. So we made a lot of uh, different trips. And I've, I've, before COVID, for Christmas, the three or four years before that, I would get them a ticket to whenever they had the championship mm -hmm. games. So they had been to the L.A. the championship game, you know, and get yeah, they Toronto. I think uh, Stephen yeah. showed they went to Toronto. We talked yeah. about so that is what I would get them as a Christmas gift. You know, to get them there, and we took they went over to Cleveland twice. Mm -hmm. You know, and then stayed there, and they mm -hmm. they, they had a great time. Well, that, yeah, that's important for Michael's last game, and I think a lot of people forget the, the Wizards years. They want, yeah. or people try to forget the Wizards years, and I think that's a little shock for Michael because for his age. That was he was still producing until he gets hurt. Well, not at the level of what Michael was, but baseball hurt him. Yeah, he, yeah. he had a thing that he wanted to play baseball, and he had an itch, and he needed to satisfy that itch. But that itch took 
two, two championships years. away from him. There and you, so we agree on that. It, that's eight years in a row if he doesn't walk away. That team, yeah. that Bulls team goes. The Bulls. Hey, listen, they had a great coach. They had great players, and by the way, Scottie Pippins isn't as good as everybody thinks he is. <laughs> Michael made Scottie Pippins, uh, and Scottie Pippins didn't make Michael. No, no. The, I agree. I'm, I'm a Michael guy. But, but the way that things went, I mean, look at the centers they had. There was nothing on fire there. They Luke were just Longley. big guys that blocked everybody out. Luke Longley, and I mean, yeah. Dennis Rodman was a hell of a, of a defender and a hell of a rebounder, but he couldn't score for anything. And they had, he didn't have to. They had to go out to Vegas to get him to come and play at one tournament. We find out that Phil Jackson just said, as long as you're back for practice, man, man that's something. They, they had to go get him. Michael had to go get him. Yeah. Imagine that, Michael, not being here. Come on. Come on, Dennis. We got to Yeah. So, well, we've come to the end. Is there anything else that you would like to tell anybody about the, the properties, how they can get in touch with you or well, they Chateau? Well, obviously call the office at Chateau if they have any uh, interest in renting an apartment. Or, you know, the other thing is if anybody's looking for knowledge in any of the things, whether it's sports or apartments or anything like that, or, you know, what do you do when your leg gets amputated? Yeah, give me a call. Yeah, you're <laughs> I can tell you this, Zim is a lot of things. Not forthcoming is not one of them. He will tell you whether you want to hear it or not, and he's going to let you know it, but it, it helps. It does. Sure. It does. Yeah. Um, so Zim, there's a kind way to do things, you know. <laughs> well, there's, I, I'm a more direct guy. I enjoy that you're very direct, and you say, when you say it, this is what I want, and just do it. And the other thing is, for people, there's a lot of young people out there that need your help now, and there's a lot of things in Morgantown that could use your help. And just remember that the more you help, the more you get help. And God will always look over you. Well, I think that's a good place to end right there. Yep. So I am Carla Guadamina, Zipshear. Uh, this has been Dingo Talk. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on the social media side. The only place you have to look differently is Instagram. It's Dingo underscore talk instead of Dingo Talk all one word and then you can find us on youtube spotify apple podcast amazon basically everywhere you can find podcasts available um we're here every thursday at 10 a.m you can check out this episode and the other episodes before then um thank you again very much sir for taking time out of your evening after the gym all right so yeah, had to get my workout in. and uh we'll catch you next week chuckleheads Bye.